stands now. A 64-yard return to the house. Yeah, I think that's just a celebration penalty. And finally healthy, and that's the reason why you get excited on the sideline for a big play from Covey. Post game show 97.5, 12 to the zone of the zone sports network. Hans Olsen and most important Frank Dolce sitting across the table from me, getting ready to give you the insight and analysis that you deserve as a fan of this University of Utah football team. Hello and welcome in to this amazing edition of your Utah Post Game Show. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Fantastic. Yeah? Yeah. Why don't you turn on your mic and I don't know everybody. how this thing I don't know how this stuff works. <laughs> Johnny usually takes care of that for me. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing fantastic. Frank, what did you think, man? I mean, just kind of your initial impressions of this this win, 3024. The the first win of 2020. Well, that is a that's the big positive coming out of this football game is that Utah put themselves into some difficulty but but figured out a way to get the to get the win. Uh, they did a lot of good things. I mean, the rushing yardage for Utah is fantastic. 2 230 yards on the ground. Uh they 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 get 174 yards through the air. I still think they could be more efficient throwing the football. Third down efficiency looks really good for Utah. Uh, time of possession, which I think is a terrible stat, but that's meaningful tonight. <laughs> that's a that's good. They they kept the ball quite a bit. Here's a big stat though: eleven penalties, ninety six yards in the game. Some of those, I think they had two personal fouls on one drive, another on this last drive, just to keep drives alive for Oregon State. But but that's a gritty win. It's it's uh, Utah figuring out how to get a win against a you know, a, a difficult opponent and Oregon state just didn't want to quit. I'll, I'll tell you, to be honest, I was, I was hopeful that Utah would be a little more dominant in that effort. Oregon state down their best running back down their starting quarterback and, um, and still kept themselves in the football game. Uh, and maybe I was hoping for more out of the offensive side for Utah, whatever the case a win's a win's a win, and Utah desperately needed a win coming into this one. I want you to talk about a couple of things. Let's let's start with this. Now, Jake Bentley, definitely errant at times, but talk about Jake Bentley getting the ball to the people that he should be getting the ball to and, and, and kind of go through that list of guys that you saw getting those touches. Well, the, the clearly, clearly there was an effort made tonight to get certain guys involved in the game. Uh, One of those guys, obviously Ty Jordan, he had a terrific game, 27 carries. You know, we talked about that. Utah had 40, 43 carries in the game. We said that if, if there were 40 carries, 35, 40 carries, then 25 of those should go to Jordan. That's exactly how it turned out. 6.2 yards per carry. He was, he was very good. Uh, But how about this? Your leading receiver is Brant Keithy, eight catches, 76 yards. Your second leading receiver, guy that we haven't heard from in two weeks, is Britton Covey, four catches, 54 yards. Ty Jordan has a couple of catches out of the backfield. Uh, so so those are I think those are meaningful things is to get Keithy and Covey involved in the game. Of course, we didn't see uh, Brian Thompson 
must have been a, a little dinged up, couldn't play in this one. But but clearly on the offensive side for Utah, there was a, more of an effort to find the ball in the hands of your playmakers and, and to let those guys do what they do so well. So that was I, I thought that was a I thought that was a positive. This game could have should have been a, a little more dominant effort would have would have shown a little more dominant effort for Utah if on two particular pass plays yes very makeable passes uh Bentley would have connected with Keithy twice going into the end zone one in the end zone one going into the end zone those were very makeable throws that were just missed so i think you know if there's concern about the quarterback position, because I still think that Bentley has all the tools, like physically, I think he has all the tools, but he has to make those, those two plays. I, I, talk about this. Um, it, for those of you just tuning in, or if you are downloading the podcast, Utah getting the win 30 to 24, Oregon state with an opportunity, actually two opportunities at the end of this game to go down and get the lead. Talk about what you were seeing from Utah's defense and then talk about the big sack from, from Mika, Mika Tafua. Tafua. Well, Utah was, I don't know. They seemed reluctant um, to, to dial up any pressure against Nolan. It, they, they stuck mainly with the four man rush and that, that eventually worked. They eventually got Nolan to the ground, but they also were giving up a lot. I mean, Nolan had a lot of time to operate in the backfield with that four-man rush. The four-man rush just wasn't – didn't necessarily get home with consistency. Uh, Utah trying to sit back and, and cover up some passing lanes. And um, and and I don't know. That seemed like a uh, – it's well, it turned out to be the right combination. At the time, it felt like – Utah had their backs against the wall, but they got, they, they figured out how to get to, to do just enough on the defensive side. If it felt like, I don't know. I don't know if you would, you, you would think that they would dial up some more pressure and maybe try and bring a guy or two and, or more consistently, but they seem pretty content with that, with the four man rush and dropping everyone else into coverage late in the football game. Maybe just an effort to keep everything in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about what you saw from just Jake Bentley. It, it, it just Jake Bentley, what you saw from him in, in his throwing game and and his decision making. And I know that you said he's got the tools, but there there was a point in this game where you and I looked at each other and said, "Is is it time? Maybe is it time to see Lisk or to see what's next?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now that this game's complete and you look at his numbers, I, I think you've got the box score in front yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's it's just it's you know it's a decent game. Uh, I think there you know the the hundred and seventy four yards is a little bit concerning. If Utah has two hundred and fifty yards through the air to add to the two hundred and thirty yards on the ground, then you're looking at a much. I think you're looking at a much different ending maybe just a more comfortable win. Maybe that's all that we're, we're looking at, but I think those numbers could, could improve. Uh, Bentley, there, there are times when he, it looks like everything is looks right. 
There are times when everything looks right. And there are times, you know, the two passes to Keithy that should have been touchdowns. Uh, there was a there was a pass right at the end of the game in the you know, that last drive uh, that should have been completed to Covey and it just got turfed. And and so there, you know, there's there's that just that little hesitance. I, I feel like Bentley still hasn't put together a complete complete game. Quarterbacks are going to miss passes. I mean, that's just going to happen in a game. But the passes that he's missing seem like those are the makeable, you know, those are makeable passes, not necessarily under pressure, just not making the throw. So, yeah, I think that's a little bit, I think that's a little bit of a concern. And I'm curious about whether or not you give Lisk an opportunity. I don't know. So Cam Rising's not coming back this this year. Those are your t- those are your two guys. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe you just don't want to risk getting another guy hurt. Who who knows? But I think at times it felt like um, Lisk might get to see get to see a little action. And that you know that's the other thing. It's really hard to tell what is happening uh, on the sideline. What are the conversations between? Bentley and coach Ludwig or Bentley and coach Whittingham. It could be, it could be, we don't know that, that other people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing on the offensive side. And now that puts Bentley in a very difficult situation. Uh, and so maybe when you come off the sideline, you know, the conversation is more like, yeah, I know There's probably moments of that. Yeah. You know, Oh yeah. I know that, that uh, you, this, you know, he should have done, this and you were looking at this and so you were right but this you know and that makes the quarterback look uh like he's not competent i which i don't think is the case i like i said i think bentley has all the tools but there are times when you would stick with him well there are times when he needs to make make those plays in a year like this okay in, in a year like this uh utah's trying to find a way to win a game so that's something to consider. But I also I also think this is is kind of a rebuilding year and it's a goofy year besides. And maybe you get maybe you find a way to get a guy like Lisk a couple of series. And 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 just for the fact that quarterbacks get hurt all the time. It's very rare that a quarterback goes through an, an entire, well, we've already seen it with Utah, goes through an entire year without taking a series or two off, at least, for, for injury. And so, you know, g- giving Lisk a little bit of experience might be a reasonable thing to do. I just tweeted out a few positives from this game. Brant Keithy, his eight catches, 76 yards. Britton Covey, six touches for 63 yards. Ty Jordan's 27 carries for 167 yards. Britton Covey's touchdown on on, uh, the punt return. And then the well-timed sack by Mika Tafua. I I want you to take me into a more detailed look of what you saw from Britton Covey. I know uh, you turned to me after that punt return. You had a couple of thoughts on his footwork and and then obviously his touches. What did you think of Britton Covey and his game day performance? It felt it felt like Britton Covey was had his had that extra gear 
back. Like when when Britton Covey f- appeared on the scene as a freshman, do you remember those games he had, especially the game he had against USC? Those guys were scratching their heads trying to figure out what to do with this guy. He just operated at a different speed, at a different pace, and he could cut on a dime. You couldn't keep up with him. On that punt return, he hit the seam, and it was it was it was like that was it was over. He was moving. He was cutting at full speed. He was nifty with the ball and with his footwork. Um, easily avoided the punter. <laughs> was trying to make, I always love that. When, <laughs> it's always, when a kicker trying to make Man, a, it makes him look absolutely ridiculous, play. doesn't it? And, and, uh, and so it felt to me like Britain, Britain Covey was back. Uh, that's really nice to see. And if that's the case, he had a very nice touchdown catch on a slant pattern. Uh, that was Bentley's first touchdown throw. Uh, so I, I'm I'm very optimistic about uh, about Covey and what he means in the next game or so for Utah. You listen to the Utah Post Game Show, Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce. As we take you through the evening, you'll hear from Kyle Whittingham, maybe a couple of players. Utah was able to hold Oregon State to 138 yards rushing. Of course. Oregon State was without their lead rusher and their starting quarterback. That was one thing that you and I talked about. Utah should have been more dominant in this game with those guys not in this game. But still holding them to 138 yards rushing. Talk a little bit about what you saw from Utah defensively to slow down Oregon State's drives. Specifically in run. They they uh so the on 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 the one side Utah feels like Utah has a hard time getting home with a four man rush. I don't I don't know how many sacks they had in the game. Uh but it feels like they have a hard time getting home and even creating a quarterback hurry with a four man rush. But but when you three sacks, but when they when you try to run against that front, it's like there's there's nowhere to go. And 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 credit, I mean, obviously the guys up front are, are meaningful, but credit Lloyd and Sewell in run support, getting to the line of scrimmage, getting to their gaps, making plays uh, in conjunction with what the defensive line is doing it just feels like in the run game so as much as i'm saying it it feels like they're struggling to get home with a four-man pass rush on the other side the offensive line isn't able to push those guys around at the line of scrimmage in the run game it's very difficult to run against that front four bama ute staying up late with us he sends out a tweet he said please ask frank his thoughts on Andy Ludwig's offensive play calls through the fourth quarter. I think I, I think Andy gets a little bit of a uh, of a bad rap. A lot of people think that he is way too conservative in his play calling. Uh, I would say that he leans conservative mm-hmm. in his play calling. 
in the fourth Is quarter. Is that by nature but or by Kyle? I don't think it's either. <clears throat> I don't think it's by nature, and I don't think it's by Kyle. I think it's by personnel. Okay. I think it. I, I think it's by. That makes sense. D- does he have faith in the guys it, that he has available to make the the play that he needs to be made? And so when he's dialing up a play, he looks out on the field. And he says, "I have this guy. I have this guy. I have this guy. Which guy is most likely?" to execute the play that I need executed. And which guy is most likely to either not execute the play or worse by not executing the play, put our team in a difficult situation because of a turnover or something like that. So I, I have to, I have to look at this offensive football team and and I kind of side with the way that Coach Ludwig is is managing it. Like may, maybe you say you have to roll the dice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop back and I'm gonna throw the ball in this situation, third down and seven or th- six or whatever. And maybe you have to do that sometimes. But I feel like what he's doing is my best opportunity to succeed is by giving the ball to number 22 and letting my offensive line push some guys around and 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 see if he can break a tackle and and pick up some yardage. So, I don't necessarily disagree. Like I I feel like it's conservative, but I feel like there's a there's you got to have context with it. Why is it why is he so conservative? Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, um, again, holding Oregon State to 133 yards, rushing 202 yards through the air. What did you think of Chance Nolan, the Oregon State quarterback? Uh, you know, you talked about him quite a bit, quite a bit through the week from Saddleback, uh, a guy that, you know, has paid his dues at, at the kind of the lower level. Uh, this is kind of his first stripes at this level. What did you think of his play, and what did you think about Utah's ability to defend against him? I thought he played really well. Uh, I I don't think the moment was too big for him, although we saw him make some throws that were not very good, and that's to me, that's a... Every once in a while, you see it come out like a duck. Very yeah. loose, yeah. Uh, very sloppy. Yes. That, to me, is just lack of game experience at this level. W- one of his touchdowns was the most irresponsible throw I've seen all year long that ended up as a touchdown. If you're, if you're uh, the, the Oregon State coaching staff and you're the Oregon State offensive coordinator, when he threw that ball, you're pounding your fist on the desk because he's throwing. First of all, Devin Lloyd got a terrific drop into coverage. I mean, so you're asking, you know, now, now Nolan has to throw the ball over Lloyd in between two safety, the cornerback and a safety mm-hmm. into a skinny post. <laughs> That's disaster. That is disaster on very tight coverage. And so you're, you're, you do this, you do this, you're doing. No, no, no. You're the offensive board. No, 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 no. Great throw. Yep. 
Yeah, a very ill-advised. I cannot believe that ball found its way through the coverage. I can't believe that ended up in a touchdown. And that's what really tightened this race and got him 24 to 30 with an opportunity to win it with two different offensive possessions at the back end of this game. Who to thunk? Uh, you and I were looking at each other. There were some tense moments in the fourth quarter of this game. <laughs> you know, after the PTSD of watching them give up 24 consecutive points to Washington in the second half and finding a way to lose that game in Seattle, you thought for just a second, is it going to happen against Oregon State? Oh, man. And you and I were going back and forth. Now, it was nice that Mika Tafua stepped up. It was nice that this team was able to seal up the victory. There was a strange no call. Did you watch the no call on the intentional grounding? There's a no call on the intentional grounding. I don't know what the, the, the there's no way that Nolan I was out of the pocket. I want an explanation there. He was not out of the pocket. I'll give you an explanation. Pac-12 referees are terrible. But I just. And, and here's so the following. Is that not a reviewable play? I thought no. that that's a reviewable call. No. No, here's the other one on the punt. So in a in a span of like 37 seconds, there's two offensive series and, two, you know, they have to give the ball up and Utah has to punt the ball away when you think they can ice the football game, but picking up a first down, which they didn't, they punt the ball away. Twenty five yard line. The ball is caught by Oregon State. Now, to be fair, I don't think the Oregon State return man was signaling for fair catch. The official did think he was signaling for fair catch. So the punt returner signals or doesn't signal for fair catch. doesn't matter. It's interpreted as fair catch by the official. The punt returner catches it and takes off. Yeah. Now, if the official interprets that as a fair catch call, which he did, and he blew the play dead, as soon as the ball was caught and the player takes off and runs, that's a delay of game. That's a penalty by rule. Right. There's no flag on the play. There's no explanation on it. They just <laughs> line up and here we go. Just bizarre. So, yeah. I how, think, how do you get that many wrong? It's I, bizarre. In the, in, and we're talking about a two-minute stretch. It's bizarre. Yeah. It is. And, and by the way, if there was flip-flopped, and that was Utah trying to make that those last-second pushes, and, and I'm watching Bentley ditch it while he's standing right in the middle of his two tackles, and there's nobody within any vicinity, mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, oh, Utah just got You got, got away, away with, with one. that one. Yeah, and absolutely. In this case, I'm looking at it like, what the? Yeah. Did you not see... What I'm seeing, uh, I, I, I don't like to spend a lot of time in the officials because this no. has become too much of a common occurrence. I'd like to see it get cleaned up, but it's not going to get cleaned up. Um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Morgan Scally's style right now. In this game, did you feel like Morgan was a little bit more conservative or did you feel like he was throwing some punches? I, it felt like they were. It felt like they were laying back a little bit to me, uh, and I may. I you know. I, I maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm seeing it differently. I I I, f- I feel like maybe I get biased because I'm looking for certain things, and and then when I see it, I'm <laughs> you know it's magnified. Yeah. But but I keep it, and it's not like Utah didn't bring pressure. They did, but it's not. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't describe this as a 
pressure defense. It's it seems very occasional to me, uh, and 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 Utah's trying to rely on this four man front, and so I'm thinking, you know, why why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? They're not getting pressure. No, no quarterback is as good under pressure. Why aren't they getting pressure? Well, especially on a young on a young yeah experienced guy. But I think the I think the issue is is a defensive coordinator. Same thing, like, what, what I'm saying about Coach Ludwig is he's looking at his personnel, and, and that is dictating his play calling, especially in the fourth quarter. How do we get a win out of this, you know? And, and then on the defensive side, uh, we're still talking about a defensive secondary that is, there's a bunch of guys that are only three games into their co- collegiate career. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw... What happened last week Nine against pretty major contributors, by the way, against Washington. Yeah. And Cade Otten destroyed that secondary. And it felt like a, a little bit of I'm not going to I just can't put my defense in that position. We're just going to have to live with a four man rush. Maybe we'll take a shot every once in a while and in and throw a fifth guy in there, something, but we're just going to have to live with this four man rush and, and give our secondary a little bit of help. It felt like, um, because of what happened last week, they were going to, they were a little more cautious this week. Plus the fact that you have a quarterback that's, you know, coming off the, coming off the bench, essentially. You'll hear from Kyle Whittingham coming up here momentarily. This is your Utah postgame show. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce will take a quick one, come back with more thoughts, and Kyle Whittingham. Hi, I'm Albert Pujols, first baseman for the Los Angeles Angels. And I'm Deidre Pujols. And we made it our mission to strike out slavery. Did you know that millions of people, many who are in vulnerable populations, are caught in this nightmare of violence, fraud, and coercion? And during a crisis like the pandemic, even more innocent people are at risk of falling victim to human trafficking. Sometimes we all take true freedom for granted. Freedom to live our life. The freedom to pursue our dreams. The freedom to watch and play baseball. But for far too many, basic freedom has been torn away, often violently and often targeting those most vulnerable among us. That's why we made it our mission to strike out slavery. And we're sending out an SOS because freedom is worth fighting for. Join us. Join baseball fans. Join the fight against human trafficking. Go to strikeoutslavery.com. zone is caught for the touchdown by Brenton Covey. And Utah extends its lead 22 to 10 for the use. Okay, Jake Bentley's looking to his right, but he knows that Covey is going to come across on his left, but he made the defense move one way, opened the window, and just delivered the ball for Covey for a touchdown. Welcome back to Utah postgame show. Just 12 36 or so and having an enjoyable evening. Frank Dolce and I, after this, going to head out for a pizza. At least a a large, large pizza, maybe some cheese fries. Oh, yeah. 
Yes. Yes. I would. I don't know what I'd rather be doing right now than hanging out with you and Johnny. I know, man. By the way, we we need to tell Johnny's story sometime. Oh, I mean, this guy. It's a true treasure, isn't he? What a God, what a history. He's done things that in his lifetime that most of us wouldn't be able to accomplish in 10 I, lifetimes. I, I, I really found him to be a blessing in my life until he actually put a song together of me singing an ode or pieced a song together of me singing a, an ode to an old crush of mine. Was that the voicemail you left me? <laughs> no, that was not the voicemail I left oh. you. No. <laughs> so every once in a while, Johnny will sneak out and he'll, he'll get you. A, he'll, he'll jab you a bit. Gonna, no. Yeah, you got to keep a, the blind side covered on him. Is that no? Look at this guy. He's very. He's creative, fantastic. Very creative and, and and does a heck of a job. And it was a fun night just sitting back and watching some football. You know, uh, Frank, as we watch this game. And we continue to watch this season. Like, I'm watching Brant Keithy as a junior, and I can't help but think, Utah could still have this guy for two years. Now, now he may be draft eligible this year. I mm -hmm. still think he's a fifth or sixth rated round draft pick. I, I don't know if he sneaks into the fourth. It's already hard as a tight end to get drafted. In the, tight end, the tight end class is typically deep. He is a talent but I can't help but think, man, you might have him for two more years. I can't help but think you might have Britton Covey for two more years. Yeah. That would be 12 years. Yeah. Britton Covey in Utah uniform. Well, 2000, <laughs> was it 15 was his freshman year? 2000. I think it was year 2000. It was a 2000. <laughs> <laughs> in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might it might have been, have been. 2015. I'm not. Oh man. I, I'm well, whatever. Sure. Let's keep let's keep him around. But it's kind of fun to look at this team and think, all right, well, they could be around. Yeah. But it is undeniable that Utah has to find a better orchestrator. They've got to find a guy that that can pull the trigger behind the center. It is not Jake Bentley. He is not the future. He is not next year. He, he and maybe he's not even the guy that should be starting the remainder of the year. Maybe you start looking a little bit and and testing a little bit. I, I I'm not I'm not exactly saying that that's a must, but what do you got to lose now? You don't have a lot to lose. You, what you have is an opportunity to give your future reps. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if Bentley is your future. And maybe what their future is isn't currently on roster. That That's probably the most likely case. Okay, let me ask you this. The quarterback that starts in 2021, is he on the roster? Right now? Yeah. Yeah. You think it's Bentley? No. Oh, you just feel like it's a freshman on the roster? No, no, no. Do you think Rising's not coming back? I expect Ryzen to come back. And you don't think he's the guy? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> well, I think it's Rising. How did you feel about him in his first couple quarters? I know it's just two quarters. I felt like he needed more quarters. <laughs> he did need quarters. <laughs> There's no question, Frank. He did need more quarters. You, you more typically quarters. need more than two quarters. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was a... I thought it was a uh, 
you know, kind of an average start. And I wanted to see him develop. Well, I think that uh, I think that after Bentley came in, we thought, well, okay, he's going to get all of the first team reps this week, and that should be a big improvement. I think he did take a step forward, and then you know, coming in against Oregon State. Now, Oregon State's not a not a bad defense. I mean, that's a that's a defense that's won a couple games, mm-hmm. and uh, it, still, it is a defense that gives up thirty two points a game. But uh, so, so, you know, no knock on on Oregon State defensively. But here, the thing that I, I would say about the thing that I would say about Bentley is, is, uh, you, you know, he, he was voted a captain. That, that's something that he was voted a captain by his teammates. So there's a faith in in him and, and his leadership, maybe what he brings to the to the, to the football team. doesn't it doesn't necessarily feel like he's taken control of the team yet on the field and i made this comparison once before about tyler huntley who who could be erratic in his play i mean there there were times when 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 tyler huntley did you know amazing things and there were times when he did things that you just you didn't understand but you never felt like he wasn't the leader on the offensive side, even with Zach Moss, uh, who was the most productive player on the offensive side. You always knew that that Huntley was the alpha, like he he was the guy that took control and he was going to he was going to do whatever he could to put the, the game on his shoulders and. And I don't know that I, I, I necessarily feel that out of. Uh, out of Bentley, and I don't know if I feel that out of anyone on the offensive side. You know, Ty Jordan, his play is fantastic, but but who's the leader? Is it Ford? Who's the leader on that off- in in on the offensive unit? It's not Keithy. He's productive, so I feel it's like that's got to be Keithy. But I I haven't heard that he's that kind of guy. Yeah. So I I feel like that's where where is maybe it Covey? where Bentley is could be. But but I feel like that's where Bentley needs to. That's the step he needs to take, is to to bring that kind of bravado to the to the field. Got another question coming in from a Utah fan who wants to have you explain what's going on with Brian Thompson. Just along the lines of what have you heard? Why didn't he play? I I hadn't heard anything prior to game, and so it's we're going to have to do a little. I just haven't heard anything, and I usually get a little bit of a update feedback. Um, and and all I heard was just prior to game that he he wasn't going to participate. So I don't know if you've heard anything different than that. No, other than he he'd gotten beat up a little bit last week and yeah. was dealing with some pain and some issues. Yep, that's all I'd heard. Uh, I haven't heard anything about, and you know, Coach Coach Whittingham only talks about injuries when they're season ending, and so I don't think we have that on our hands with with Thompson. But I think he's just dinged up. Waiting for Kyle Whittingham to uh, get up to the podium. You'll hear from him as soon as he steps up to the podium and addresses the media. I, I'll be interested to he- hear his thoughts on the fourth quarter 
and the performance and, and the effort, the play calling, and how that fourth quarter went because that is not what he expected. You know, he has this on the, on the sideline. He he always looks pretty in control. But, you know, there's one little thing that he does when you know that something is bothering him. Yeah. And he has that little twitch with his lip. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know the twitch. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Well, that was evident even behind the mask in the fourth quarter. There was something that he was not comfortable with yeah. in the fourth quarter. And be, be, figuring out a way to get that win is going to go a long way in, in helping him <laughs> relax a little bit. But, but I, I, it feels like uh, I'll be interested to see what he says at, at the end, you know, in the post game. But it feels like um, he feels like his team should be much more developed at this point, if that makes sense. Like they're still having issues that he feels like should be corrected. Yeah. Or they shouldn't have those have those issues. And those those are the things that will you know, those are the things that will drive drive a coach and drive coach Whittingham crazy. Another question I have for you, Oregon State was able to convert on an onside kick. Oh. How does how does a coach handle that? You know, you go back into the film room how will that be handled? I, I know that they were able to get the stop and they couldn't capitalize on it, but what happened there in your opinion? Lack, and, of, and, lack and, of focus. Okay, so... Lack of understanding, lack of knowing the situation in the game. Is that a coach's responsibility or, or is that yeah. a cover team's responsibility? Yeah, that's always... Well, Coach Whittingham will always say it's a coach's responsibility. But, you know, I've never seen Coach Whittingham go out there and take a, <laughs> take a play. So, so... But, you know, that, you know, somebody on the sideline has to be first alerting the return team. Before you get into your drop, you have to you have to ensure the ball is coming off of the tee. And if you're not doing that, then you're making a mistake. And it felt it, it from what I could see on the replay, Utah's front line started to turn and go as the ball is just being tapped mm -hmm. off of the tee. And it was one of those, you know, just run behind it, try and shuffle it forward 10 yards and kickers right behind and it. Kicker go after it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's uh that, that's a, it's an, it's a lack of execution. I don't know what happened on the sideline. If people were being alerted, I have to assume that, that people were being alerted about a potential onside kick. Still, it's pretty early in the game. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Um, it was well executed. It was. If that was uh, Coach Whittingham's special teams and if Utah would have kicked it, that would have been some high praise. Like I said, Oregon State wasn't able to capitalize on it. I, I do, I just looking at the way this game played out, played out, I do think Utah was very lucky that Jermar and the – and Jebbia, the starting quarterback, were out of this game. Well, I think that's what goes back to our. This should have been a more dominant effort. So let's. I mean, let's let's just think about that. If Bentley, if Bentley converts those two throws, now you're talking about 14 points instead of six because Utah kicked field goals. 
So there's an there's an eight point swing. So does thirty eight to twenty four feel different to you? Oh man! Because then you're I, I, because I, then you're saying, hey, Bentley had three touchdown throws. That's what you'd be saying. Yeah. Thirty eight, twenty four. Bentley has three touchdown throws. He probably is in the two hundred and twenty yard range instead of 174 instead of 170 yeah uh let's get out to kyle whittingham live at the podium talking about this win 30 to 24 over oregon state who's gonna moderate where art thou jordy hey coach you lurking always are you out of your your prison or whatever? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, proud of our guys for hanging in there, um, particularly the defense. Uh, had to get uh, some crucial stops there at the end to preserve the victory. Uh, disappointing that we let the game get away from us. We were up 30 to 10, I believe it was, and, and in complete control and uh, lost control. And fortunately, we were able to have enough in the tank to, uh, to get the victory at the end. Um, a lot of good things. We ran the football exceptionally well. Ty Jordan continues to show what, what his uh, capabilities are. Uh, number one, we didn't turn the ball over. That was huge. And, and uh, that's a credit to our offense, uh, taking care of the football, which we all knew was our biggest problem in the first two weeks. So that was good to get that uh, corrected this week. Um, didn't defend the run as, as well as we usually do but uh, still came up with some big plays on defense. Covey's punt return was huge. That was, uh, that might've been the difference in the game. We won by six points and, and uh, you know, the offense only had the one touchdown in the second half and uh, Covey's touchdown on the punt return was, was big. So uh, a lot of uh, penalties, foolish penalties that we got to do a better job coaching. That's all on us as coaches, um, having our players be more disciplined and more tuned in to, to, uh, not committing penalties and, and teaching them how to do things correctly. So our coaches got their work cut out for them and that. But uh, bottom line, got the W and uh, going to uh, Colorado on a short week. Uh, short week for both teams. Obviously, they played today as well, Friday nighter. <clears throat> so we've got to get going right away. There's no no time to really uh, enjoy this victory. We're going to get moving uh, on the Buffaloes uh, immediately. So questions. First question will come from Josh Furlong with KSL, followed by Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle. Uh, you guys are pretty dynamic with Brant Keithy and Ty Jordan in those first three quarters. And then that fourth quarter, you only have 21 total yards. What what happened with especially those two drives where uh, everything kind of stalled and the runs just kind of went up the middle? And Yeah, just kind of got too vanilla and too uh, non-imaginative and and we knew we wanted to milk the clock. You know, it makes sense to milk the clock in that situation. But when you're milking the clock, it, it, there's no reason for you to not stay creative and and uh, get some production. And that was awful to have three three and outs in a row at the end of the game when we could have put the game on ice and we, we couldn't do it. We had three three and outs in succession, which is unacceptable. And uh, that's us as coaches, and we got to get better. And uh, there's not a coach. Uh, myself or on the offensive staff that's that's pleased with what happened there at the end of the game so we got we got to do better but credit our players again for uh hanging in there and and uh doing the best they could 
Next up is Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle, followed by Trevor Allen with KSL Sports. Yeah, Coach, uh, Ty Jordan had 27 touches, 167 yards, and a touchdown. Is it safe to say that he's your guy in the backfield? He is starting to separate himself even more. Uh, each week is there's been separation, and this week was a, a big gap. Uh, one of our backs, Jordan Wilmore, was not really uh, available today. I guess he could have played if he had to, but wasn't. Wasn't uh, his health wasn't good, and uh, Devin Brumfield's a tough, tough kid and good short yardage guy and, and uh, uh, goal line guy and pass protector. So he's got a lot he brings to the table. And Makai Bernard is just starting to, to uh, you're starting to see his skill set. He, I think he had a, a 25 yard run. If I remember correctly, he was the one that had a nice long run there, and has a lot of uh, upside as well. But yeah, to answer your question. Ty Jordan, as evidenced by what you saw tonight, has separated himself, and he right now is definitely our lead back, and that's uh, that's how it goes. Next question is from Trevor Allen, followed by John Kuhn with the AP. Kyle, there were there were a lot of times in that second half, especially when when you guys had to uh, force the Beavers to turn it over on downs a couple of times, where your guys' secondary was challenged. Do you feel like they they did a really good job, especially you know shutting them down? Uh, you know, and, and having really young guys to be able to do that. Very proud of the young guys and the defense in general. And and uh, they made plays and got stops when they had to. We still had plenty of work on, blew some coverages, uh, didn't get the correct call, you know, corner thinking it was man coverage when it was really a uh, cover two situation. And so a lot of things to correct. Uh, really disappointed in that touchdown drive where we committed four or five or six penalties and just essentially handed them a touchdown. Just, just said, "Here, take it." And, and that was uh, that was ridiculous. We got to be better than that. And, and uh, I assume they were all penalties. I'll have to watch the tape, but uh, they called them, so we got to be better. Next question will come from John Coon with the AP, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. Coach, uh, a follow-up question on, on Ty Jordan. Um, from your perspective, what has really keyed his progression at the running back spot over the last three games? Because he, he he seems to just get better and better each week. Uh, getting used to the, and adjusted to the speed of the Power Five game, much different than high school. Things move a lot faster. People hit a lot harder. Things uh, move fast in all lanes out there in Power Five. And, and uh, it was a little bit of a, a process for him to get used to that. Um, confidence, I think he really starting to get confidence and, and maybe wasn't sure early in the season, you know, how, uh, how he fit in here, but, but now he sees that, uh, that he's a guy that can be very productive. Um, didn't put the ball on the ground tonight, which is awesome. That needed to happen. He, he made an absolute concerted effort all week long to uh, work on his ball security. And he did just that. Uh, one thing we got to do a better job of, we got to throw him the ball more. He's got, he has exceptional hands. And uh, we got to do a better job of getting him involved in the, in the throw game because he can bring something to the table there and, and uh, even add more than what he's, uh, what he's doing right now. Next question will come from Josh Newman, followed by Steve Bartle with the Ute Zone. Kyle, you guys scored on your first, I think it was uh, the first four possessions, but it seemed like you guys left some points out there. Uh, we didn't you... score, we got field goals. That's a whole different deal. And uh, I cut you off, I'll let you finish, but that was extremely frustrating. The first three trips in the red zone to end up with field goals. You can't, the game should have been blown wide open earlier. 
And uh, it was our inability to function how we need to in the red zone, our ineptness in the red zone. And uh, that, that game should have not even been close early on. But uh, anyway, I'm venting. And so I just vented. And I'll go back to your question. <laughs> tell, me what, tell me what you got in mind. Yeah, no, that was pretty much it. But just to finish up, I mean, you know, Jake missed a few throws. He he looked like he had his hand pretty heavily bandaged there in the first quarter. What is uh what does he need to be doing better specifically in the red zone in those spots? Well, put the ball in the end zone to be right to the point. And Jake had not a bad night. I think he was uh, 67%. I think it was exactly two-thirds of his throws that he completed. Didn't throw an interception. Did miss some throws. There was there was some wide opens that that, uh, that we didn't connect on. And I don't know any quarterback that gets every single wide open. I think it was from Drew Brees or whatever. But but uh, he did, we did leave points on the field. And uh, to us, a field goal in the red zone is a loss. That's a negative. And so we've got to score touchdowns. Our touchdown percentage in the red zone is not good enough. And that's, a, got, to, that's got to be something that we improve on and work on. And you know, we've got, what, two games left or whatever. But, but that's something that we have not been good at so far this year. Uh, conversely, our red zone defense has been solid. We've been uh, just right at 50% touchdowns in the red zone, which is where you want to be on D. You want to be 70% plus on off. And we're not we're not there on offense. And so we've got some... Uh, some scheming and strategizing to do. It's not the players' fault. The players are doing a good job and they're working hard. It's us as coaches got to be better in the red zone. Next question comes from Steve Bartle with the final question coming from Josh Furlong. Coach, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the offensive line. It seemed that they were, uh, obviously, you, you generate the amount of yardage in the run game that you do. Uh, and that's that's obviously a positive, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts, particularly in those short power yarded situations and just their performances, uh, you know, on the game. Yeah, disappointing that we couldn't. Uh, not only do we have the three three and outs, but the, the short yardage was was not good tonight. It's very frustrating to me, and, and uh, but it's my fault. You know, I'm, I'm at the top of everything, so whatever we're bad at is uh, is a reflection on me, and that was very frustrating. And we have got. You know, we got a, a laundry list of things to work on. We're just covering them here one by one. And that, that's one that uh, is certainly high on the list. Is I, I've got no confidence right now to, to go for it on fourth and short in, after the last few games. And and uh, it shouldn't be that way because we got big physical linemen and they, they run block really well. So we got to take a hard look at, at schematics and what we're calling and if we're being too generic and giving our guys a little better chance. Final question will come from Josh Furlong. Well, obviously, in, in the, uh, the punt return that Covey had, you know, the crowd would be in it. You guys are up by 20 to have a lot of momentum and, and everything would be going. You know, how, how do you kind of generate that momentum and, and being able to do that? And then kind of side part of that, what was it like to finally see Covey get back into the game and, and could score for the first time in two years? Yeah, well, I'll answer the second part first. It was awesome to see Britt back there and, and doing his thing. And, and that punt return was vintage Covey. I mean, there's, there's not a lot of guys in the country that could turn that particular uh, scenario into a touchdown with the defenders he had to make miss. And, and he just has such a knack for seeing the, uh, the openings and the, and the uh, you know, where to make the cuts and, and where to, just where to run. And, and he's uh, such a weapon for us. It's great to have him back to almost full speed now. He's still not hundred percent, but wasn't available hardly at all last week. And then, uh, since I'm so old, I forgot the first part of the question. 
just just talking about the momentum of being able yeah. to have the crowd into yeah. it. Yeah, it's like every every game is a neutral field. There, you know, when you're away home, it doesn't matter. It's a neutral field. There's no advantage either way. The only things that you know, if it's a away game, you got to pain in the butt of getting on the plane and flying to where you got to go. But, but the game environment itself is so generic and antiseptic and just uh, weird. And so, so you don't even know where you're playing. You know, you look up and you know where are we playing this week, and, and uh, it's just. But you know, it's not a it's not an advantage or disadvantage. Any you know, I guess they well, I say there's a disadvantage for us because our crowd is so awesome. And uh, we have one of the best crowds in Pac-12. And so I'd say maybe we're a little more disadvantaged than other teams because of that that uh, awesome environment that we have. But, but right now, you got to create your own energy. you got to get your own juice from the sideline going and and because uh, there's nothing, you know, no one's going to create it or nothing's going to happen if you, if you don't create it yourself. All right. Thank you, Coach. There you go, Kyle Whittingham at the podium after this game goes final. Utah getting the win against Oregon State 30-24. to But, Frank, I mean, some of the criticism was very pointed and almost to the point where it's like did, Utah did win that game, right? They, Oh, yeah, they did. They, they still they got 30 points. But yeah. he really went after the offense. Um, some of the stall outs in the first half in the red zone – uh, some of the calls and push in the fourth quarter. Just talk about his comments on the offense there, because there were, what, like three groupings of critical comments towards the offense there. Or, so, am, or am I, did I read that wrong? No. I, I might I, be I, reading that wrong. I don't think you read it wrong. It was very directed at the offensive productivity, uh, especially in the red zone. He called it a failure to kick field goals in the red zone. Utah had three opportunities early in the game and came away with nine points. So, yeah, yeah, he was clearly, he's clearly concerned about the offensive productivity. And that's a game that probably could have been sealed away with, a, with another first down, with a little more productivity. And he, at the same time, he praised... Bentley uh, said he completed 67% of his passes, missed a couple open ones, but doesn't know of, you know, guys that make all of the open throws. So he was still, he was very complimentary of his quarterback. He was very complimentary of Jordan, but he was not complimentary of the offensive productivity. You can read into that, whatever you want, <laughs> but it was, it seemed like, it's. It felt like he was making a statement. Well, last and, and he said coaching several times last week. Some of the statements that he made in talking about getting the ball to the superstars, you saw that change. Mm-hmm. You know, Keithy got his eight touches. Actually, a total, I think, of, of ten uh, because the fly sweeps. Then Britton Covey had a couple of touches on runs, fly sweeps, and mm-hmm. had four receptions. And you. Uh, Ty Jordan had 27 carries. So I, I do think he got that straight. But mm-hmm. now I, I think he wants a couple things done dif- differently offensively. He I, said that the the offense came vanilla. In the fourth quarter. Yeah. And he said that was unacceptable? Unacceptable. Well, when you have 21 total, when you have 21 offensive yards in the fourth quarter, 
That's not going to that's not going to win many games. Listen, th- this is a Utah football team that has not won a fourth quarter this year. I'm talking USC, Washington, Oregon State. They've lost fourth every fourth quarter. Utah gave up a 21 point lead a week ago. They nearly gave up a 20 point lead tonight. Now you could say, well, the defense has to make a play. That's there's some truth in that. Uh, but the offense can't go stagnant. The offense has to make a play. The offense has to keep a drive alive. And so I think that's where his major concern is. I was just looking at some interesting numbers on Oregon State's offensive side. So so Oregon State's leading rusher was the linebacker, former quarterback Coletto, with one carry, 40 yards. Uh, Nolan and Tyler, who each respectively had the second and third most carries, well, first and second most carries in the game, 13 for Nolan, 12 for Tyler, ended up with 36 yards and 29 yards, respectively. That's under three yards per carry for both of those guys. So when you talk about, we talked about this earlier, Utah defensively and stopping the run, there was, that was clearly the case. Or, Oregon State had a difficult time rushing. This is a team that's averaging well over 200 yards a game on the ground. So Utah did its job on the defensive side. Uh, decent as well in the in the pass game. Uh, Nolan just got over the 50% completion mark, 20 of 38 for 202 yards. At this point, I just feel like Coach Whittingham is much more comfortable about where his defense is, even with the youth and inexperience, and he's encouraging his offense to find productivity, uh, especially to put a game away, which Utah has not been able to do with two very significant leads in the last two weeks. I will say that I felt like the, the offensive line played slightly better. Mm-hmm. Didn't give up a sack. Um, you talked about Bentley moving the ball out of his hands, a lot of quick crossing and quick drag routes by Keithy, and, and he was moving the ball out of his hand better. Mm-hmm. But Oregon State was unable to get a sack on the University of Utah. I do think some of the one-on-one protection was better. So I think that there was some improvement there, which yeah. is good. Yeah, no turnovers. That's a major Major thing on the offensive side. Big time. So yeah, we did see some improvements. Mm-hmm. Superstars got the ball. No sacks given. No turnovers. So there are and, – and a win. That's that's your biggest <laughs> hey, improvement. So, priority number one. It's so Win there, the game. There were some definite improvements. Um, Frank Dolce, Hans Olsen. Frank, thank you, man. You, you've always done a fantastic job, and we're – It's my pleasure. We're all lucky and blessed it's to great. have you. Get out of here. It's great to hang out with you guys. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Johnny Lightfoot. Big thanks to Brian back in the studio. Fantastic job. You can catch this entire thing in its entirety at 1280thezone.com. This has been your Utah Postgame Show.